Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Good morning, New Zealand. Uh, happy Wednesday to you. It's 9.03 here on SENZ. Busy show this morning. We're going to start with some golf. Uh, New Zealand's number one golf coach. I don't hesitate to say that. I believe he is. Marcus Wheelhouse. Uh, Jason Ryan. Uh, of course, uh, we know Jace is the assistant uh, coach for the Crusaders, but... Uh, we're going to also going to know him as the co-inventor of the iron back scrum machine. And we'll find more about that uh, really at 9.30 this morning. Grant Elliott just after 10. Uh, a lot of cricketing uh, issues to deal with there. Uh, we've got a panel. And uh, this morning, Andrew Gordy and Sam Hewitt are on the panel. So looking forward to that. Uh, we'll probably be talking uh, a bit of tennis, I would imagine, amongst other things. Uh, certainly talking tennis after 11 o'clock because... Uh, that wonderful lady who's been helping us out with the feeling at uh, the Aussie Open and the action is Jenny Drummond, and uh, she's agreed to come back on for the third time uh, in uh, the last 10 days. She's outstanding, so we'll get an update there without doubt. So uh, a stump smithy around about 11.30 and plenty more as we go through to midday. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, there's plenty of drama, some magnificent tennis, a complete plonker with a good serve, extreme heat, Australian sports fans galore on show, also plonkers, without the serve or at least without the racket, actually they have both to be fair, no they're not rude, insulting or pack like are they, they're just Aussie sports fans, two epic five setters in the men's quarterfinals complete with comebacks, both Rafa Nadal and Matteo Berrettini stretched to the max in gripping encounters. If ever there was a day that defined the pressure, the importance and the spectacle of a Grand Slam, it was yesterday in Melbourne. A day that put the Djokovic drama to bed though on court, through on-court quality, and that is important. Then on the Kia court, the special Ks were on show in the doubles, fast becoming the circus superstars with rock band-like status and the accompanying entourage. Kyrgios and Kokonakis have fired up the tournament, fired up doubles tennis, and uh, on the receiving end was our boy Michael Venus and his partner, Tim Puts. Antics aside, it was a great tennis match. In all probability, the best combo, K's prevailed, and uh, they'll take some stopping. But the way they incited the crowd into at times barbaric behaviour was disappointing. The insults, the suing, and the booing, and the timing was appalling. To be honest, the Kokonakis uh, part of it, I, I think, is a reluctant cog. You get the feeling tennis and performance is still number one and you could see him concentrated very hard. But for Kyrgios, I mean, who would know? 
the lift clearly at times stops well short of the top floor. And if he does donate his brain to science, those in the white coats will be standing around the lab table for a long time. He's hardly likely to win a singles Grand Slam. He won't let himself. Talk about a tortured genius. Here's one with a well-documented record of blemish. Good for the game? Many say yes. Ask the common ocker. One thing is for sure, he's already making McEnroe look positively angelic. Look, you can't be serious, man. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. It was clearly in. How can you possibly call that out? How many you can miss? That he's walking over, everyone knows it's in, in this whole stadium, and you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? Uh, the golf season is in full swing, uh, pardon the pun, and it's great to have back on the show Marcus Wheelhouse, who's uh, without doubt New Zealand's best golf coach uh, we've got available to us at the moment. Uh, you only have to Google Marcus Wheelhouse and see the services and uh, what he's got available to uh, golfers of all types, but also uh, his record uh, playing and coaching is uh, undeniable, and uh, thanks very much Marcus for joining us this morning. Um, great to catch up again in the new year. That was nice words. Thanks, Smithy. Um, yeah, mate, nice to hear <laughs> from you. And um, yeah, it's nice to start off uh, the new year and uh, and get back into it. Not so nice to start it uh, now under uh, well a red light situation, Marcus. What does that really mean to golfers, though? Well, I mean, golf being an outside sport, um, we've got you know um, Sport New Zealand and, and and Golf New Zealand sort of with. Coaching is you know still still going ahead uh, in an outside environment. You've got to be you know pretty careful with the with the mask situation and and, um, and all the procedures that sit around scanning in and all those sort of things. But yeah, it's um, luckily for me, it's um, it's pretty much business as usual. And um, I'm out at Royal Auckland, so it's uh, you know it's a vax you know mandate, and um, and so everybody's vaccinated, and, and we're, we're sort of pretty much rolling into some sort of normal. I mean, clubhouses and all those sort of things. You've got all the normal stuff, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's not bad being outside. Okay, well that's cool, and often you can uh, get the feeling about uh, how golf's trucking and, and the future of golf, etc. by uh, those uh, school holiday programs that you often see around the courses with kids getting uh, tuition from time to time, they, they're still quite prevalent, are they popular? Yeah, I'm, mine's, mine's starting at about 9.30, but I, I think, um, look, there's, there's probably a little bit of hesitancy off you know, some people. Um, um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's strange with schools and everything, isn't it? Um, but no, it's, it's still there. Um, I think the, the normal clinic scenario too as well, you know, whether people want to prefer one-on-one and all those sort of things is probably maybe a, a bone of contention. But golf, you know, generally is going nuts. It's, um, you know, since the, the, um, the pandemic's been around, it, it's, it's just gone from strength to strength and, you know, memberships are... Are, uh, are full and at the golf club, so it's, it's great to see um, golf's definitely been a winner through the through the COVID times. That's fantastic, and uh, of course, uh, inspiring our young golfers are our players overseas. And uh, you've, you're hands on with uh, one of our very best, and Ryan Fox, who kicked off his start to uh, this season's campaign uh, last weekend uh, with a 61st, so a bit of a slower start, but getting some mm. golf under his belt finally. Yeah, I mean, he sits in a space, mate, where he's got um, five events now from the Middle East and uh, over the next five weeks. 
um, you know, a lot of look. I, I really feel sorry for, for for athletes at the moment um, around the world. You know, not only from New Zealand, but just trying to do their, do, you know, apply their trade. Um, it's very difficult. You know, Ryan Caddy got uh, COVID last Tuesday, so he, you know, it wasn't on the bag from for the week, um, and so he had to get a, you know a ring in, and then uh, and then obviously he had the slight worry of of you know getting. Yeah, obviously exposed to him because you know, he's with him on Monday and Tuesday, and he he had a test on Friday, so he was worried about you know testing positive himself. So, which luckily he wasn't; um, he was negative. But yeah, so you've got a lot of you know outlying um, distractions, I suppose you could call it, at the moment with uh, with athletes around. But um, you know, he's look, he's playing nicely. He, he said he just didn't quite read; uh, he couldn't quite read the greens this year. As it's a new course out at Yes Island. Um, but you know, all in all, pretty pretty happy to start the start the year with a, with a made cut and a, and a check. Of course, uh, it was well documented. As you say, he had uh, issues last year, not so much with his game, but um, peripheral stuff. The MIQ scenario doesn't look uh, anyway, Marcus, at this point that it's going to be any easier for these uh, these athletes, these these golfers who want to pop home every now and then just to to check on family, etc. It's going to be uh, looks like another fairly trying twelve months. Yeah, mate, it is. It's, um, I mean, luckily, um, you know, with the New Zealand Open happening, Sport New Zealand have, um, have, have honoured you know, Ryan a spot to come back from, from this trip. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, most of the guys are, are really struggling to, to put a schedule together and, 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 and also just, you know, I mean, almost being forced to sort of say, look, I'm just going to leave and, 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 you know, and see what happens. And, you know, if you've got a family and, and kids and things, it's, it's tough. There's no doubt about that. So... Yeah, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and 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 I think that you know, hopefully, um, you know, we can. Well, I mean, we don't want to have that political talk, but that we just want to keep you know keep keep moving forward to getting getting that thing open and and get everything flowing again. Okay, well, let's uh, look at uh, two or three of the others that were on show over the weekend as well, uh, getting things uh, underway. Danny Lee missing uh, missing a cut, so um, he, he regained his card. It was a bit of a battle to get back in there. Uh, so what are we what are we expecting? What are we looking at uh, from Danny Lear? A typical sort of hot and cold type year again, or or can we find some consistency? Well, I think you know, hopefully for me, the the, the big scenario is you know him just getting a um, yeah some sort of consistency, some sort of um, you know just flow of of confidence. Um, he, he seems to be very much that way. He, he's you know when he's on, he's he's incredible. He's one of the best in the world, as we know. Um, and when he's off, he's he's um, the fuse is pretty pretty short, um, and the putter seems to get affected a lot, um, uh, you know. And, and and I think that's a big part of his, um, you know, you know, basically the governing of the week, isn't it? You know, whether he's he's holding a few, he's hitting a few good shots. Um, I mean, he's he's such a talented player; it's it's, it's phenomenal. Um, and and it's just um, it's yeah, it's tough to see him sort of have such an up and down career. But I'd, I'd like to see that with a bit of maturity. He's got a young family himself. Um, hopefully he can sort of just level that out a little bit and and, um, and maybe take a little bit of Lydia's uh, attitude and, and, and be the ice be the ice girl. But yeah, <laughs> he's um, that'd be great to see. I, I, I like Danny. He's a, he's a funny guy. He's a, he's a great guy. So it'd be great for him just to level out a little. Well, you mentioned Lydia uh, and a fine start for her. Uh, top 10, I think, uh, in the first event. So uh, I think uh, could be... Uh, well, she's already had so many great years, but this I think now that she's found this consistency 
uh, at the top, towards the top of her game, this could be one heck of a year, 22. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, the best for her, really, to, to be honest. I mean, Sean Foley has just done, uh, he's a great guy, I've met, met him many times, and he's, you know, he was just the perfect fit for her at the time, and, and will continue to be, I think he's, He's got the combination of you know the science, and he knows that he's you know he's admitted to a lot of people that he made you know some some different sort of um, you know well not mistakes but just you know some learnings that he had earlier in his career, and he's applied it differently now. Um, he's he's a you know I don't know if you've listened to him on a, on a podcast or anything else, but he's he's a very knowledgeable guy, and he's such a positive human being. Period. You know, and and Lydia really needed that at that time in a in a, in a career, and and um, and I think. You know, the one thing that Sean does is they make, um, you know, the, the golfer a, a whole person. And um, and just realising that balance in life and, you know, educating yourself around that mind and what it can do. And she's she's um, bearing the fruits of that now, isn't she? I mean, she's got the, the combination of the technical side of things looking fantastic and uh, playing to a strength in her game, which has always been that short game. She's never going to be the longest mm. player in the world, but, she you know, she's fit now. And um, and really, you know, really sort of, you know, getting the most out of that out of that swing of hers, and uh, mate, it's just great to see. I, I just love it. I love I love to see that. I love to see all our golfers doing well, and in particular, uh, anyone that thought that the, the the great run of form, the purple patch that Stephen Alka had last year, was a one off, <laughs> uh, have very quickly been reminded that it wasn't. Uh, um, you know, yeah. first equal basically uh, over the seventy two holes, and then losing out. Uh, in the end to a Jimenez, but what a start to Elker and what a what a period of of play and his his life. Does it make you want to dust off the clubs, mate? Well, yes. I mean, I'd love to, man. I, I, I don't think my body lets me to do that anymore. But I mean, look, it's uh, it's it's truly inspiring to see what he's done. I mean, he's you know, as we all know, he's been around. You know, I mean, I'm the same age as I'm, I'm a year behind him in, in age, but. Mm. Um, you know, we played a lot of amateur golf together. Um, you know, you just if ever you wanted to the nice guy to finish first, he's done it, you know, and, and he's made, he's the nicest human being I've ever, probably ever met in my life. Um, and, and he just, he's, he's made his ground away, a, a, a pretty good career, you know, on that Champions Tour, oh, sorry, the um, Nationwide, and, and then obviously had a spat, you know, his times on, on the PGA Tour, but just to see him do what he's doing now um, on that Champions Tour, I mean, it's just fantastic. And he's, he's remained very fit. He's very much in the same, um, you know, sort of, uh, Cookie cutter as a, as a Bob Charles in my in my viewpoint, very meticulous with his diet and he's and he's and he's you know looked after himself really well from his body point of view. So uh, mate, he's and he's and he's reaping the rewards as he as he gets you know to this 50 year mark you know which is which is great to see and he's he's swinging it beautifully. I mean it's it's a it's a real um, you know it's been a again a been a road for him. Um, he's not the longest player in the world, but geez, I tell you what the the, the uh, the consistency of his striking at the moment is mm. phenomenal. I watched it, you know, a few holes, and it's 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 good. Mm. Uh, any advice for uh, anyone that wants to play four rounds in a day? Have you ever done it? <laughs> Hydrate. <laughs> Get fit. I, no, I, I haven't done it, mate. I, I've I've done um, I've, the most I've done is two and a half. I've I've done forty, forty to forty-five holes. But uh, mate, that's that's pretty impressive to do four rounds in a day. Um, it's an early start, isn't it? Mm, it's a very early start, a late finish, <laughs> and not much time in between, mate. And there are, then the other couple of things are uh, often you look at Bryce at the Sean Bone, he's, he's trying to break down the barriers, and most of them are 
uh, about distance and, and speed and that sort of thing. And I imagine you keep a, a bit of an eye on it. I, I was just reading an article where his, uh, the average ball speed uh, he had last year on tour was 190.7 miles per hour. Um, average tour player, 170.4. Would you have any idea what, say, the average New Zealand golfer would be in terms of miles per hour, in terms of the club speed, etc., and the ball coming off? Well, I mean, I suppose if you look at an average of like some of the people that I teach, and I suppose that's a, you know, I mean, mm. I mean, most of the guys would be sitting around that sort of with a driver, they'd be sitting around sort of the mid nineties. Um, you know, if you if you look at the longer player, they're sort of in that hundred, you know, five hundred and ten. Um, you get the odd young guy that can obviously smoke it, you know, right up there with the, some of the PGA Tour players. But I would say around that sort of ninety mid nineties. You know, the ladies obviously less a little bit more, sort of around that maybe 85 um, mark. Um, so that means their ball speeds around that sort of 140, you know, 150 sort of mark. So um, it's, you know, there there are some pretty different golf courses they're playing, um, you know, as in toughness, but also, you know, when you when you put them on a golf course that the, the club player would play, um, you know, it's a totally different game. You know, it's we're talking 50, 60 metres difference in length. And uh, and that's significant, and as you as you can appreciate. So, I mean, this 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 game now is going to go only one way, and that's just going to be, yeah, as you can appreciate, you know, there's going to be more and more Brysons in another, you know, four or five years. Um, and I would say the average would be around sort of 180, and and another three or four years on the PJ Tour easily. Um, it's got it's got a lot to go. Um, there's one guy that's just come out, um, a young guy, and he's. He's at about 140 miles an hour in his club head speed, which is quicker than Bryson. Um, his name um, just just uh, leaves me right at this minute, but he's he's 24 years old, and he's um, he, mm. can, he can pump it up to 144. So that's ridiculous. You know that we're talking you know nearly 200 200 um, ball speed there. That's not over. So crazy, right? That yeah, is crazy. Uh... Also crazy, I mean, one of the things about golf is that the equipment changes so quickly. I mean, you only have to walk into your local pro shop, and uh, these days it's a bit tough because sometimes uh, it's not so easy to get equipment into the country, I, I would imagine. But uh, it's interesting to note this fellow from uh, Taranaki, the Urquhart Golf Club, I imagine you're a little bit over this, uh, uh, with 11 or, uh, 11 or 6 different settings, putter to driving iron, uh, a golf revolution, he's calling it. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting story. Yeah, he contacted me not so long ago, actually, and um, and just you know with my views on it. But it is it's it's uh, I haven't actually had one in my hands and or hit one. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is it's um, it would be great for travelling. Um, and and when you look at what you're <laughs> doing, I mean, it's obviously a uh, you know the the, the Bryson DeChambeau's, for example, have got all one length and then just a different loft. Um, of a club, so yeah, you've got there's there's definitely some different revolutions. I like the one where you just sit down and lay the club behind it, and that you've got gunpowder, and then it just uh, you don't even have to swing it. I quite like that one, Smithy. Have you seen that one? <laughs> no, I haven't. I'd like to. I'd like to see <laughs> that one. It's good. All you got to do is get the club face in the right spot, mate, and line it up, and and uh, you don't even have to. There's not a there's not a sweat of uh, a bead of sweat needed. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, it's four rounds of day stuff. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Oh, totally. I could definitely manage that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, honestly, uh, Marcus, great catching up with you. I know you've got to fly because you've got kids uh, lined up down the street, I would imagine, uh, looking to learn the game, and that's uh, fantastic. So 
Uh, wonderful to catch up with you, and I uh, hope we can at some stage uh, throughout the year. Uh, just uh, a little update on uh, how our fabulous uh, professionals are going uh, overseas, and uh, uh, particularly too with that uh, New Zealand Open not too far away either. Thanks, mate. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, any, anytime, anytime, Smitty. Cheers, buddy. You too. Have a good year. Yes. Yeah, same to you, Marcus. Wheelhouse there, without doubt, for me, uh, New Zealand's number one golf coach, uh, associated very closely with Ryan Fox, and uh, it's just uh, a, it's a good story, a good Kiwi story uh, that uh, they work together to, and uh, work together so successfully. Uh, and speaking of working together, of course, uh, you've got uh, Jason Ryan and uh, Owen Franks putting together this uh, great scrum machine too, called the Ironback Scrum, and. Uh, We'll be talking to Jason Ryan about that after 9.30 this morning. What's your subject of the day? Oh, quite simple for me, and it's very simple. Yay or nay, you can qualify it if you like. 88.33, is Kyrgios an idiot? Is he fantastic for the game? Or is he a complete and utter, as I said before, complete and utter plonker? I mean, look at the guy. Look at, I mean, there's so much ability, so much. I mean, goodness me, he dominated that match yesterday with the serve. Without his serve, um, Michael Venus and Tim Foots would be through. Uh, it was Kyrgios' serve that won it. So he can win games of tennis. But then in between times, he hit a kid in the stand with the ball as he was smacking it away, threw his racket, abused the umpire, mocked Venus. Uh, you know, and in the end, the sad thing about it was I understand the umpire's very, very proficient and has done a lot of high-class tennis matches around. But she lost control of the crowd. There's no doubt about that. Lost control of the crowd. I don't know how she could have got it back in her defence. I don't know how she could have, but she wasn't helped. She was not helped. Um, by Kyrgios in particular. Kokonakis, I think, was like, you know, just uh, tagging you along to make sure that Kyrgios didn't look like a complete idiot on his own. Um, but the way he incited the crowd, the way he behaved in between points, is it good? Uh, was it good? Am I just talking as uh, slightly sour grapes because I would love to have seen uh, the Kiwi go further on? Plonker or not, 88.33. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Well, he polarises people, and uh, he split your text as well, uh, Nick Kyrgios, and uh, it's not surprising at all. Ken says, just can't stand him, a plain idiot who gets away with way too much. Um, then uh, another caller can't, uh, texter comes in and says, Smithy, as much as he's a Muppet, I'm 29. Have you ever watched tennis? But I've watched uh, his last two matches because it's entertaining. Tennis is a stuck-up game like golf where you can't make any noise. There's that many rules. How are you supposed to handle yourself, etc.? It's just bloody good to watch the crowd. Get into it. The tennis was good. He's a dick, but it's growing the game. Well, good personality uh, he's got indeed in terms of that, uh, bringing people into the game. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Jared says, for me, an idiot. Yes, he can be entertaining, but sorry. The way he carried on last night was bad sportsmanship. Felt for the opposition. Didn't get a fair go. Thanks, Kyrgios. Uh, inciting the crowd and making it damn hard for the ump as well. Yeah, I didn't uh, really think she had to... Too much uh, of a handle on what was going on out there. Uh, Morning, Smithy. I didn't find them that entertaining at all. More like irritating. Instead of being two Ks, they should be two <coughs> Cs, uh, as in the two. Uh, yeah, okay. Thanks, Steve. I, I get the picture there. Um, and, uh, yeah, you got it right. And, but that's what he does. It's what he does. And he brings out emotive texts as well. And we'll have more of those throughout the morning as they continue to come. And thank you very much. Keep them coming. At 9.30, here's Trudy. <laughs> 9.33 here on SENZ. Uh, G'day, Smithy. Kyrgios is an absolute dickhead. If he just played tennis and left all the other crap at home, we could appreciate how good he can be. Shane Pitts didn't play well at all, or Venus could have won. 
Uh, yeah, I thought uh, Pertz's serve was vulnerable. Um, apart from that, um, I would be thinking that... Um, I, I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, I wasn't sour because they'd lost. I was just sour about the etiquette around the game. Uh, they, they, they just weren't treated the way international tennis players should be treated in Grand Slam events. That was uh, pathetic um, as much as anything else. So keep those ticks coming in on uh, double eight, double three, uh, and uh, we'll read them out. Good or bad, we'll read them out. Uh, okay, let's uh, get across to a subject I'm really interested in um, because it's about rugby, but it's uh, about the technical side of what's behind rugby. And there aren't too many people in New Zealand who know more about scrummaging than our next guest. It is a bit of a, a mysterious art, isn't it, to be fair? Uh, our, our next guest is the Crusaders' assistant coach, Jason Ryan. Uh, he has a, a fantastic track record. Uh, he's so into it that he's joined forces with uh, former All Black Owen Franks to create uh, the Ironback Scrum Machine. And he joins us now to talk about it. Uh, Jason Ryan, uh, good morning to you. Happy New Year, mate. Morning, Smithy. Uh, happy New Year to yourself and uh, great to be on the program. Uh, always listen in and enjoy your uh, sports chat. So great to talk to you, mate. Thank you very much, uh, Jace. We had Owen on last year, of course, telling us a wee bit about uh, the Ironback Scrum Machine, and uh, now it's been officially launched. So uh, great to see uh, all the hard work, all the theory, uh, the building of this particular piece of machinery come to fruition, and uh, here it is, it's out and about. It is, mate, and it's something that we're both uh, well, extremely passionate about, but also really proud that it's all come into, into place, really. There's been uh, a lot of work go into it, uh, a lot of different thoughts and ideas and we've challenged each other's thinking and sort of from the myself from the coaching side of it and him as obviously a player had been at the highest level and come through academies and all that sort of thing obviously in his time and um, just just really promoting a, a pretty special and unique coaching tool that's safe and that, that's our that's our big one for you know younger players that uh, maybe 15 or 14 15 year olds that are you know, get asked to play in the front row. Usually it's the bigger kid, Smithy. <laughs> it was for me, you know. Do you yeah. want to have a crack? So, And that's all very well, and that's the beauty about rugby, isn't it, that um, all shapes and sizes can play it. Um, so we thought we'd chuck something out there that um, is safe and really a great high-quality product, and we couldn't be happy with how it's turned out, really, mate. Well, Jason, uh, most of us who uh, are dated a wee bit uh, will record the, the, scrums machines, the scrum machines that you see uh, I won't say littered around rugby fields uh, or training grounds, uh, but the fact of the matter, they have to stay there because they're big and they're cumbersome and, you know, you, you, you get your scrum set and then you get bigger bodies to stand on top of the machine to weigh it down, etc. Uh, tell us, uh, yeah. it's nothing like that, is it? It's, it's more mobile, uh, much more practical, much more user-friendly? Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. And, um, yeah, we, so the, I guess that one of the key point of differences, Smithy, is one person uses this one, so... Whether you're a coach or a player, you can just you can just peel everything back, and instead of right, I hear you know, the coach and um, through no fault of his own, I guess it's all he's got to work with is an eight-man sled. Where right, everyone jump on it, and you can sort of hide in there a little bit, um, as Owen sort of said to the media yesterday, and and we don't want that. So this is like one person on it. You can you can set it up in a changing shed. Um, you can, it's an in, it's an indoor machine, so we, you know um, that sort of takes away uh, a little bit of pressure as such in, in, a, in a unique way where you get that one-on-one stuff. You can you can video your player uh, in a safe environment as well, I, I guess, as opposed to yeah, like I said, you chuck everyone in and 
crouch behind set and jokers are hitting the machines. Well, hang on, let, let's get your own technique right individually, and then um, you know the rest will the rest will fall into place, and you can load it up from anything from just a, a real slight bungee band up to a maximum of around 250 kilos, which you don't actually need any more than that, no matter um, if you're a 100 test or international or whatever. So it's for everyone, mate. It's, uh, you know, right from not only the front rowers either, you know, get your locks using it, um, loose forwards um, and that sort of thing. And, and one of the things uh, I guess uh, that is perceived about scrummaging, if you don't get it right, it can be a relatively dangerous art. Um, so here's an opportunity, I guess, for younger people to get technically proficient uh, before the hits happen. Uh, is, that, is that fair to say this will help you do that? It is. So if you can imagine a squat rack um, and, and you, you've got your squatters in a squat rack just lifting a bar up and down in that squatting mm. position, this is basically in a horizontal plane um, where you're extending forward and back um, in a scrummaging position. So... You know, you can talk about the, the load that comes through um, your spine. Um, you can do a little bit of neck work with it, your plantar fascia and all your um, dorsiflexion in your ankles and your calves and strengthen those up and see where a player's at. So, um, like, we've had we've had Scott Barrett on it who did his plantar fascia. Um, Moots has had a few issues with his, and, and we see that as a, as a tool medically that people can use. To, for return to play, there's a lot of loading happens in scrummaging now, Smitty. Um, so it's setting guys up to succeed, really, and um, even the guys that are at the top level may not, uh, you know, use the device like this. So that, that, that's what we're pretty excited about it, and um, yeah, it's it's great. So you, you obviously you're gonna you're gonna market this um, uh, around New Zealand initially, of uh, course, uh, around the world as well, because you you've, you've both got great reputations around the world. So uh, what's been the early levels of of interest in it, Jason? Yeah, well, I've actually had to um, I've actually had to pass all the inquiries on to my wife. To be honest with you, mate, it's been uh, it's been a little hectic, and I actually don't need that at the moment because I've got a um, crusaders to take care of. So, with all due respect, Owen and I have said we need to uh, we need to look at a distributor, and we've been approached by two um, globally, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, the states are pretty excited by it and obviously with Owen's brand and who he is himself behind it it's uh, it's pretty exciting we made uh, we made eight machines uh, initially and, and they've gone so um, you know three three of the five super clubs bought it some clubs have had um, some funding for it which you know I think a lot of the you know the, the funding that is issued to clubs it's something different you know if, if they can talk about a tool that's safe you know it's it's as good as you know those um, fun Funding agencies, I guess, um, doing jerseys and shorts is just the same, you know. So, look, what, what the future holds, we're not sure, but, you know, we've both got, um, uh, you know, we're not salesmen. <laughs> we've got the product, no. so it's pretty exciting for some global distributor to take over it. How much is it roughly? I mean, you know, is it uh, affordable to the levels below super clubs, etc.? I mean, you know, if you're a club which has, say, I don't know, four or five senior teams, uh, men and women, of course, um, you know, uh, is it readily available and affordable? Yeah, it's around the five grand marks, maybe. Um, chuck it out there. So, um, and it's it's not something you buy every year because um, it's all steel. It's all you know. <clears throat> it's all powder coated. Uh, it's not it's not a consumable um, like a, like a jersey or shorts or drink bottles or hit shields. This is something that. Um, 
you know, it's a one-off type thing. You're not going to buy it every year, as I say, but it's it's going to set you up to succeed. Succeed, you know, a lot of a lot of teams have got those big eight-man sleds which are around ten grand. Um, so this is sort of half the price, but you'll get more out of it where you could do your your safe coaching on a one-on-one, and then you could build up to just having your your eight-man scrum or your your wrestling drills or a five v five safely. So I mean, I don't use the eight-man sled personally as much as I used to. Because um, I've always said that scrum machines, at the end of the day, are a little bit like a boxing bag. They don't hit your back, but they set you up um, for your battle. So um, this is what we love about this one. You're not a marketing guy, as you said, but you, uh, before we get on to uh, uh, other rugby matters, uh, have you got a, a website, uh, an address, where people who have just heard about it or are desperately keen to get some more information uh, can go to? Yeah, thanks, Smitty. Uh, frontrowclub.co.nz, um, and there's the Front Row Club um, Instagram page as well as Facebook page, and there's an Ironback uh, Instagram page, which is going a little bit ballistic at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, through the website, frontrowclub.co.nz. Excellent, mate. Okay, let's uh, get on to a little of, uh, a bit of uh, Crusaders. You mentioned it before, that's where your uh, main focus is at the moment, and uh, he'll be on the side of your scrum this year. Uh, people are very keen to uh, just find out a little bit how uh, Pablo Matera has knitting into the culture of the Crusaders. Oh, he's adding to it, mate. He's uh, he's been outstanding, actually. He uh, oh, he loves getting around the boys and connecting with everyone, and um, he's, he's got a lot of knowledge. Um, his English is really sharp, which obviously helps. Um, he's a bit of a character, and um, he's. Uh, he certainly, uh, boys feel his presence at training, um, I can assure you that. So um, his standards are really high. He, he settled into Christchurch. Um, I was saying to someone the other day, like when he arrived in Christchurch, you know, we go out of our way with our, all our players that are coming from different areas through the pre-season block or if they'll, you know, assigned, you know, out of town, we, we go out of way to make sure that those players are right. He said, he told a great story to the boys. He just couldn't believe how welcoming he was to Christchurch. He arrived at the airport. He obviously had already done his week MIQ and then he had to do another three days at home. Um, isolated into his house that we jacked up. He stayed in Luke Whitelock's house. He said he arrived at the house and the fridge was full of food. Um, the beds were all made. There's some Argentinian flags and Crusader flags and a few big steaks in the <laughs> in the fridge. <laughs> and um, um, our manager had imagined it, uh, had also got some kids' bikes and for his young fella um, from some of our older fathers and he said I arrived in Stade Francais two years ago landed in Paris and no one picked me up and I didn't have a house to stay in <laughs> so it's a bit of a comparison so he's, uh, he settled in really well and he's, uh, he's looking forward to getting into some footy uh, the other, I mean that's great news great to hear I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing him being part of it uh, of course you're going to carry the favourites tag again that's, uh, you can't uh, blame people for regarding you in that fashion uh, but there's a bit of talk about the Blues this year as well. Uh, what attitude uh, do you take into this season? Clean sheet? Yeah, we do. Yeah, you start again. Um, yeah, obviously there is, as you say, there is the target, and we respect that, um, and that's a privilege. And I guess in, in a way we've earned that, but the reality is uh, it is a new season. And um, talk, you, know, you talk about the Blues, and you know, I'd say they're in great shape, probably the best you know, they've been in, to be, to be really honest. And... Had a good catch-up mm. with Leon McDonald before Christmas. Um, he's a good mate. 
and he's uh, you know he's really happy with his whole coaching staff that he's got and his recruitment. He you know it's sort of his team now, I guess, as such. So um, yeah, they look look they're, they're well coached. They've got a good roster and. Um, but I think across the board, all the super teams will be, you know, this comp um, will go well, we'll get some footy. It's going to be pretty fierce early on. I know all the teams are fit, and it's going to be a good good spectacle of footy. Can't wait. Looking forward to it, uh, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Good luck with the uh, the Ironback scrum, uh, the machine. I hope it, uh, hope it goes well for both you and Owen, and uh, look forward to catching up throughout the season. All the best, mate. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Jason Ryan there. Jason Ryan, uh, of course, um, a noted uh, scrum coach expert uh, around New Zealand rugby, uh, of course, international rugby as well. Busy man. Sounds like uh, he's got a very uh, interesting product along with Owen Franks there. We'll uh, give you more update. Rugby updates, of course, as uh, we're not too far away from those pre-season games. Red light permitting. 9.46 here on SENZ. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we were right. It polarises people, doesn't it, uh, Nick Kyrgios? A few texts uh, have come in, of course. A few more here. Far from entertaining Smithy once again, he's an embarrassment to uh, Australia, and so was the crowd bouncing around like a kangaroo and mimicking Venus's service as childish as you'd see on a court, surely. Will be hard to watch if they win the doubles. Twats. Uh, well, that was part of the text, not just what I said. It was part of the text uh, uh, that, came, that came in there. Uh, Mark says, seriously, as Kiwis, we need to get over ourselves. Leave him be. He won't. Uh, he won't. Uh, he won't. Well done. Move on. Okay. So our woke, soft council culture that has crept in. Uh, why are you let so upset about someone being themselves when McEnroe did it back in the day? Was uh, any different? No. Was he doing? It? It's like Zidjian cricket. If it's in the rules of the game, he's done nothing wrong. If if it isn't in the rules of the game, it's done nothing wrong. We need to get ourselves, I need to pre-read that a wee bit, we need to get over ourselves. That's the message from Mark anyway. Uh, okay, uh, certainly we need to get over ourselves. Uh, if, imagine if the crowds carried on that way over season a game. The players would involve, would walk off, and fair enough too. Seems the number one rule for the Aussie doubles, and one for the rest. Game was a joke. Imagine the crowd today with more of a skinful on Aussie day. Uh, poor form. Cheers, Adrian, Smithy. Get on La Creek in the Desert Gold. Saturday, it's a winner. La Creek. Mark that one down, JD, will you? Uh, we'll get our text uh, of tips throughout the week. Uh, what did you make of him? Uh, John, you've got a pretty open mind when it comes to this thing because you, whilst you love uh, the pure side of sport and the technical side of it, you actually don't mind a bit of controversy and a bit of angst. Yeah, or just whatever brings the sport alive without crossing that line. And I think you're quite right that a line was crossed yesterday of sportsmanship. At the end of the day, you've got to give both teams a fair go and I don't think Venus and Putz got a fair go yesterday but I also, like no one's ever watched doubles before, it's, it's just not a sport that people watch but yesterday everyone was watching doubles I, I like to call it the Happy Gilmore effect Smithy, if you've watched Happy Gilmore before uh, that movie's all about a new guy coming in uh, into the world of golf and shaking it up and that's pretty much what Nick Kyrgios is doing with doubles. So I'm fence-sitting, Smithy. I hate to do it. It's not normally my style, but I can see both sides. Okay, fair enough, John. I think there's probably a lot of people sitting on the fence, uh, but there are also a lot of people firmly entrenched either side of that fence on this issue. Keep coming in, double eight, double three. Uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, read them out. Is, is he a plonker? Kyrgios in particular, is he a plonker? 
uh, multi in about five minutes' time, just before the 10 o'clock news. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Well, Krisha Kova let us down yesterday. Uh, she was uh, beaten by Key, so uh, we're going to go with uh, tennis again today. So it's a pass uh, to beat Sinner at $2.18. Uh, Collins to beat Cornet at $1.33 men's, then women's. And at the big bash tonight, the Sixers to beat the Strikers. Very important match that. That's at a buck eighty-three. Just three uh, pronged that multi, but worth $5.30 overall. Sitsipas, Collins into the Sixers. Uh, good luck with that one. And uh, we'll be back after the break. Uh, we're going to talk cricket after the break with uh, our very own Grant Elliott. In the meantime, here's Trudy with the 10 o'clocker. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. 10.03 here on ECNZ, and uh, before we get to uh, former international Grant Elliott, uh, let's just look back on uh, one of the other tennis specials from last night, and at least this was on the court action. Uh, we know that Nadal got through a marathon five-setter. Well, Berrettini was two sets up on a game on feast at one point. But the Frenchman never says die uh, and came back. This was hell of an, a hell of an encounter as well. Great viewing. Set point here for Matteo Berrettini. Berrettini serving down the middle. Forehands on face now. He centers himself on the baseline. Goes around the forehands. Strikes the forehand up the line. Gail Monfils, the inside in, is a winner. The Italian serves to the backhand of Monfils. The off, the inside in forehand from Berrettini even fooled me. And then Monfils' response is to go long. And Berrettini, he claims the first set with a bark. 6-4 to the Italian. Berrettini serving into the body. Cross-court backhand from Monfils. Slice backhand down the line from Matteo Berrettini. And then the forehand up the line from Berrettini. Somehow Monfils gets there. Cross-court winner. Passing shot. Remarkable. Berrettini serves down the middle. Monfils gets it up long and over the baseline. And the Italian Lion roars. Finally, Matteo Berrettini holds after almost 20 minutes in that game alone. What a struggle between the Roman and the Parisian. Berrettini to the backhand cross court of Monfils. Backhand up the middle from Berrettini. Likewise from Monfils. Same from Berrettini again. And Monfils makes the elementary error. Forehand into the net. And Matteo Berrettini takes a two sets to love leads. Both with the same scoreline. 6-4-6-4. It was a slice forehand return from Monfils. Now the power from Monfils up the middle of the court. The off forehand from Berrettini is wide. Two break point chances for Gal Monfils. Berrettini serving. Hits the net and goes wide. There's the break for Gal Monfils. His first of the match. Down the line, forehand from Gail Monfils. Pumps his fist to the player box, raises his arms to the crowds, taps his right ear, says, give me more noise, Melbourne. Gail Monfils takes the third set, six games to three. Forehand up the middle from Berrettini. Forehand down the line from Gail Monfils. What a heavyweight struggle. Advantage and great point here for Gail Monfils. Volley backhand from Berrettini, then Monfils readjusts and knocks over the volley backhand for a winner. 
Monfils up at the line, forehand down the line, catches the baseline for a winner. Gail Monfils has broken Matteo Berrettini in the fifth game of the fourth set. 5-3, Monfils up a break in the fourth set. Berrettini serving, Monfils has the advantage. Cross-court backhand from Monfils. And Matteo Berrettini nets the backhand. Gail Monfils from two sets to love down has now tied it up at two sets all. Berrettini's forehand up the middle and the off forehand from Gail Monfils is wide. And Matteo Berrettini right off the rip to start the fifth set has taken the break. Cross court Berrettini inside shot from Monfils hits the net. And Matteo Berrettini has two breaks in the fifth and deciding sets. He's up three games to love. The forehand is punished into the corner from Berrettini. He goes again. Monfils, his forehand is into the net. Matteo Berrettini in five sets. Points to his chest. Points to his heart. He's marched into the semi-finals. It is uh, 10.07. Uh, of course, uh, that was... Uh, Berrettini knocking over Monfils, of course, in the other classic. Uh, it was Nadal against Shapovalov, and uh, Shapovalov at the end of it uh, complaining to the officials saying, you guys are all corrupt. I'm not sure. Um, they're pretty tolerant, aren't they, tennis referees or umpires? are, are very, very tolerant. I mean, if you said that uh, in the middle of a cricket field, I think you'd be up before the beak very quickly. Uh, he was complaining about, uh, he, he believed that uh, Nadal was getting special treatment over him in terms of uh, time in between points, etc., May, may, may well have been the case, may not. But certainly uh, the crowd favourite, uh, Rafa Nadal, has gone through to uh, yet another Australian Open semi-final. Uh, meanwhile, of course, uh, on the Kia court, the K court they're calling it, uh, the special Ks were on show. Uh, history will say they knocked over uh, Michael Venus and Tim Putz. And at the end of the match, the showman had this to say. Guys, I'm just going to let you talk. The crowd don't want to hear me, they want to hear you. Talk us through it. Unreal scenes. Um, you know, like when we were young, playing on the 12s, we grew up in Melbourne Park, and to, to say that we did it together, semi finals, and I'm not finished. I want to win this fucking thing, to be honest, bro. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much sums it up, doesn't it? Pretty much sums it up in front of the kids and things that were at the stadium. Outstanding, inciting them into that kind of stuff. However, uh, let's get much more balanced now, shall we? Uh, and get onto some cricket and a much more balanced individual. And you see when Grant Elliott had uh, one of those great moments in his career, he was very relaxed about the whole thing, hitting those winning runs. And then, of course, his first uh, point of attention was to the opposition. Uh, so I think that's two different sides of sport. Uh, one idiotic and one pretty good. Uh, here's Grant Elliott uh, this morning to talk about uh, cricket going on in the country at the moment uh, and around the scene. Uh, good morning to you, Grant. Hey, Smitty. How's it going? Yeah, good, mate. We're just waxing on about Kyrgios. I don't know if you like him or hate him, but uh, I don't think he was on his best behaviour yesterday. We won't see any of that in the Super Smash, I'm sure, this uh, weekend in particular as it comes to uh, its riveting end. Uh, what have you done down in Wellington to fire up both your men's and women's team? I mean, you, your, your record is unbelievable the last couple of years. Yeah, I, you know, when, when I played at Wellington, we were a complete shambles, uh, Smithy. Like, we had a lot of really talented individuals, and we couldn't piece it together. You know, we had, every year we'd look at our list of players and we'd go, wow, well, we should win all three trophies this year. 
and we always ended up stone last on the table. Um, so, you know, I think what Wellington have done is they've addressed the cultural side of things, and I think, you know, that was to have a more inclusive culture. So there was a very much a senior-junior kind of split when I was there, um, whereas now people coming into the team is just such a great culture and environment that they just love playing for the team. Um, and I think from an administration point of view, they... Uh, the culture and the, the character traits that the, the team actually believe in are actually lived by the administration as well. So it's a whole top-down and bottom-up um, sort of effect that's happening in Wellington and not only the, the men but the, the women's team as well. So I think you create a great environment. Players love playing for their province and they stay there for longer. And it also attracts other players. You know, we've attracted the likes of Michael Bracewell, Logan Van Beek and, and Hamish Bennett and at the time where we, we made the change I think the cultural shift um, was when Hamish Marshall and Hamish Bennett came into the team and we started winning trophies in my last couple of years so um, we've just carried that on and I think you know it's a testament to probably Bruce Edgar as well as coach who came in um, at the mm -hmm. time with Hamish Marshall and Hamish Bennett um, and the I guess administration to acknowledge that change needed to happen. Okay, let's uh, look at uh, the Blaze first of all. Um, you've got to have your superstars firing. There's no doubt about that. They've got a couple in uh, Sophie Devine and uh, Amelia Kerr. But, uh, I mean, it's such a fickle game, T20 cricket. On any given day, it can just go wrong for you in a short space of time. So to remain unbeaten is quite staggering. Yeah, well, look at what happened to the Blaze uh, last year. They made it to the final and then, you know, Canterbury uh, turned them over in the final. So you, know, you can't get complacent in T20 cricket. And even in the last game where they played the Brave, they lost their big guns. They lost Sophie early. They lost Amelia early. They lost Maddie Green early. But there were players that came in, like suddenly Tamsin Newton came in and produced her career best of you know, 38, and she struck the ball beautifully. Who doesn't normally get an opportunity to bat because of those big guns. So I think you know, going back to that environment, when you do have a good environment, and suddenly, you know, your backs are against the wall. Someone goes out there and performs. And um, I think that they'll be nervous going into finals cricket, but they've got a great team. I mean, they do have the best team on paper, um, and they've got players that perform day in, day out. So they'll be a very, very difficult team to beat. Um, but, you know, there's always a little bit of an edge in finals cricket. And as you say, Smitty, mm. the game can turn in a matter of deliveries in T20 cricket. Well, uh, the, of course, the, the Blaze got their feet up tomorrow. It's the Sparks against the Hearts, but the Firebirds haven't got that luxury. Uh, they're up against the, the Canterbury Kings. And isn't Michael Bracewell having a season? Well, he, he's having a great season. You know, I, I had a chat with Michael Bracewell probably a year and a bit ago when um, he decided that he was going to go to the middle order. He just had his breakaway season batting at the top, and he opened the batting. And um, I think he, he, his strike rate was 180 and he was top run scorer. You know, he had a magnificent season and he went down to the middle order and I was like, what are you doing? And he said, no, they want power in the middle. I said, well, it's just such a different game. And I said, you've performed well up top, you just stay there. So I was really happy to see him batting at three the other day. I think he's more suited to, to batting up top rather than in the middle, but... You know, the beauty of what he's done is he's done it in the middle 
he's done it at the top now. And when you piece that together as a player, it means that you can bat for 10, 12, 15 overs as a T20 player. And, you know, as destructive as he is, if he can piece that, you know, the power play in the middle stages together, he could be an absolute gem of a player, not only for, for Wellington, but potentially even for New Zealand with those off spinners he bowls. Mm. That is, it's, uh, it was about to be the next question. I was looking at uh, Bracewell and Munro forcing their way into that squad. Colin Munro's form in the Big Bash has been sublime. And, of course, uh, the, the World Cup, uh, T20 World Cup, is in Australian conditions. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Adam Milne was someone who burst into the New Zealand team from um, probably Big Bash performances and 100, to be fair. He bowled exceptionally well in that 100 format. But... I, I do think that we, we're we missing that explosive batter that, you know, Colin Munro can be and, you know, even a Michael Bracewell could be because that's what Brendan used to do. He used to take the game away from the players and, you know, he had the ability of potentially getting 100 or 40 balls. Now, there's not many players that can do that and I think the risk-reward of playing those players is that when they come off, they, they win you the game. They might only come off, you know, one in five, but is that enough for you to actually secure a position for them rather than going for a more circumspect player who strikes it at 120, let's say, um, and will score runs consistently? I'd probably go for more the you know, swashbuckling Mavericks um, in T20 cricket that will win you games and then cover them by, um, you know, I guess, mixing and matching the circumspect players with the power players. Okay, let's uh, look then uh, at the international side of things, uh, Grant. And uh, there is speculation, a little bit of speculation, not just from me, but I've heard through the great one, that Kane Williamson's elbow uh, might not be good enough uh, to play against South Africa. I certainly hope uh, that is just rumour and not the case. It'd be hard to imagine uh, no Williamson, no Taylor in that middle order. Uh, where do you see the Proteas at in, in, as they come here in terms of a threat? And what would we do if we didn't have Kane? Uh, who would we find? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, first and foremost, I guess the, the, the Proteas are, you know, they're, they're unbelievable at the moment, having beaten India. They've gone through some... Uh, they're, they're a rollercoaster team. They're almost becoming like Pakistan or West Indies in a way. Just so unpredictable. And it's been more the off-field stuff that I think has thrown them off. You know, Faf Duplessis finished early. Orne Morkel finished early. Then there was Dale Stain. He retired. So they had a spate of players, and now Quinton de Kock, obviously, who have decided that they don't want to represent their country anymore. So they've had to find these players. And it goes back to the question as well about Kane. It's like when you lose these senior players like a Ross and a Kane, well, who is there to, to come in and, and cover for them? Um, I mean... South Africa will be formidable. I think their bowling attack um, is the one that I'd watch more than their batting. And I think the interesting thing will be is if we produce those green pitches that we always do for our team bowlers. We didn't do that at the Bay against Bangladesh and we saw what happened. Um, but then changed our attack in, in Christchurch and you know we're back to winning ways. So it be interesting to see what we do um, with that South African team attack, whether we produce... Um, those green, you know, fast wickets. Um, I, I'd suspect they'd probably be a bit flatter. Um, but the person to come in for Kane, well, I mean, I, you know, the first name that came into my head was Hamish Rutherford, but I don't, I don't know if he's out of flavour anymore or not. Um, 
I can't really maybe putting Blundell up um, the order potentially, um, but he's he's going to be keeping with the pads, and you know how difficult that is because he has he has opened the batting, so you know he could bat in top three. But I suspect that they'll just juggle it around. Maybe um, see the likes of Daryl Mitchell. So Devin Conway move up to to three, and and Daryl Mitchell potentially um, go into that that number four spot. Mm, interesting, Grant. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. I know you're a busy man. Uh, plenty of other things on your plate. So uh, look forward to uh, hearing you again on the SENZ airwaves uh, when uh, time permits. And uh, again, thanks. Uh, I can't wait for that Pro Tier series, to be fair. Uh, I think the Battle of the Seamers will be the key. Thanks, mate. Enjoy it. No, thanks a lot, Smithy. I really appreciate coming to the show. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Grant Elliott there, folks. Uh, we've got a, a panel coming up very shortly. Uh, Andrew Gordy will be on it. Uh, saw him at the races the other night. Likes a good time, doesn't he, Andrew? And Sam Hewitt uh, also uh, will be part of the panel as well. And uh, I think we've got to talk about Curious, but we'll find some other things as well. It is uh, 10.19 here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We have got Andrew Gordy on the panel this morning. Of course, uh, Andrew Gordy of News Hub fame and Sam Hewitt. Now, uh, Sam Hewitt's a name you, rem- you might know. Yeah, well, you should. He's Staffy's producer, uh, but not this week. So uh, we've managed to get him in, uh, Sammy H. And uh, I think we'll go to Gord's uh, uh, first up in Gord's. Uh, the wash-up from Ellerslie, great to see people having fun. Uh, the, the red light went on almost straight afterwards, so at least they got a little bit of an occasion. Exactly. Uh, morning, Smithy. Morning to all the listeners. Um, yeah, great, great night on Saturday, wasn't it? Um, probably not the end of the night perhaps we were all hoping for, mate, but never mind. That's, uh, that's racing, as they say. But, geez, great, great event. Um, and it's a, it's a shame, I suppose, um, that we're not going to have that event at Ellerslie for the next couple of years while they relay the track there. But... Um, it really is one of the one of the great night great nights out. I suppose um, not just in racing but in sport. To be honest, it's a fantastic atmosphere on track. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd encourage anyone who um, who hasn't been to a KM before to um, to see if you can uh, perhaps go along in a couple of years' time when it returns to Ellerslie. It's a, yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a brilliant night out. And uh, yeah, I'd, I imagine the, uh, the 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 likes of Paul Wilcox and the board there would have been thrilled to to get that uh, event that in particular event. Uh, off um, before we uh, move to, to the red light uh, because yeah, that's probably the, the biggest day I'll say or the biggest night uh, on the calendar. So, um, yeah, good to get it away. OK, uh, speaking of big events, uh, Sam Hewitt, uh, big event for Michael Venus and Tim Putz in the doubles last night on the Kia Court at the Melbourne Tennis Centre, but it wasn't a very friendly atmosphere. What did you make of all that? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Uh, morning, lads. Um, oh, look, oh, story about Kyrgios, really, um, this Australian Open. And, um, you know, obviously he crashed out of the singles. And I actually think we talked about uh, last week about if he crashes out of the singles, then watch for him in the doubles because, you know, he's going to come storming through. And, like, I'm not the biggest Kyrgios fan. I think all the fanfare and everything's a little bit excessive. But, um, man, he had that crowd pumped up. Um, and I think they played a massive role um, in that win. And I think, you know, um, those two uh, have got to be favourites um, to win. Uh, the double, so unfortunate for Venus because um, yeah, I thought he was a real shot as well. But uh, him and his partner, but um, yeah, I guess Kyrgios is, is Kyrgios and Kokonakis are probably the uh, the favourites now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think they probably are in momentum. 
Um, and uh, he's pretty determined, as we hear in that post-match conference, to win it, Gord's. Uh, I, I, I don't mind atmosphere. I don't mind um, all those sort of character. I don't mind, but is it a step too far, that kind of stuff? See, I love well, this see, here's sort a of conversation, Smithy. I, I love this sort of conversation mm-hmm. because I've actually come, come up uh, our, our sports department meeting this morning and everyone is talking about it. And, and what does that tell you? They have engaged an audience that would otherwise not be engaged in particular with doubles tennis. And, and you know, ordinarily, I'll be honest, I, I wouldn't really give uh, too much of a care about, about who's in contention or who might win the doubles, unless it's Michael Venus, of course. Um, you know, he gives us Kiwis an interest. But otherwise, otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really give it a second thought. Now, you've got an entire, not just, not just people turning up on court and creating this enormous atmosphere, but you've got broadcasters deciding to pull away from, I'm pretty sure they pulled away from Rafael and the Dales match last night, to tune in to, to Kokonakis and, and Kyrgios whipping up a crowd at a doubles match. Now, I'm sorry, but I think that's completely unheard of. And we can, we can sit here and we can debate about whether they crossed the line or whether things went too far. And look, if you're asking me, yeah, there probably were a handful of occasions where it did cross a line. But we, I think we would be, and I, and I think organisers and I think people who run the game would be idiotic to ignore uh, what they're seeing at the moment because every sport in the world at the moment, whether it's tennis, rugby, cricket, what it, you name it, Every sport at the moment is trying to grapple with how do we engage a younger audience? And I think all of us, we're, looking, and we're asking these questions about whether a line has crossed through traditional eyes. And I think a younger generation of sports fans, they don't really care about whether a line was crossed. They just want to be entertained. And you cannot deny that all of us, traditionalists or not, were entertained by what we saw last night. I sense, Sam, that you're of the same opinion. Uh, yeah, I've been saying this for, for, for years. You know, tennis and golf are, are sort of these two unique sports where when the, you know, when the serve's about to happen, when the, when the golf is about to hit off the tee, there's complete silence, you know, and, and even extent throughout, you know, a, a game in tennis, even though there's a few oohs and ahs, it's very respectful, they're very laid back, and they're the only sports where the crowd doesn't, isn't roaring in your face the whole time. And, you know, we sort of pander to the tennis players. You know, it's about, um, you know, their concentration, you know, high-precision sport. They're trying to focus and all that sort of stuff. But I think last night, and Gordy, I think, hit it on the head, is an example of how that can actually be a positive. It can be entertaining. It gets people into the game. The players clearly enjoyed it. You know, clearly Kyrgios and, and Kokonakis were fired up by it. And I imagine, you know, Venus and that, they probably had to step it up a level as well. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of, of there being more of that um, in these sort of sports that traditionally have been a little bit more conservative and laid back. OK, cool, uh, fellas, that's good. Uh, nice to hear those opinions. Uh, stay with us, please. Uh, I'll uh, probably come to you after the break. A uh, bit about uh, the Blues or the Crusaders, who are you looking at, particularly in terms of the back lines that are, uh, they're going to display? All going well. And what about is it time to get Colin Munro back? Is it time for Colin Munro after his big bash form? Uh, 10.30, here's Trudy. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Sam Hewitt, Andrew Gordy on the panel this morning. Uh, Sam, uh, just looking at uh, Colin Munro, in case uh, not required in the last T20 World Cup. He was a bit miffed about it, actually. Um, should uh, we stop ignoring his... Uh, Big bash form and put him seriously in contention for New Zealand's T20 World Cup squad later in the year. 
It's a good one, Smithy. Uh, uh, Colin Munro's, I don't know, I feel like he's one of these guys that, you know, when he's in domestic leagues and he's playing in the Big Bash and, and around the world, he, he tends to do very well. But then in the black caps, he just, he, he has been struggling. I think, I don't know how many T20s we've got before the World Cup, but I would think we've got enough to at least try him, you know, and, and see how it's going to translate into international form. But, you know, on paper, you'd say if he's performed well in the Big Bash, he'd be able to just translate that over. But um, maybe, yeah, I don't know, maybe we need to give him a few a few opportunities um, before making a final call. That's probably where I stand. OK, uh, Gords, what about you? It's a massive yes from me, Smithy. Uh, I'll tell you, I've always been, personally, I've been a, a fan of Colin Munro, um, both as, as the, the cricketer and his personality. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's a robust personality. I think we can probably put it that way. And I know that there's probably been uh, one or two times where he's, um, you know, perhaps come not, not agreed necessarily with the selectors or, or the coaches and whatnot. Um, but look, I suppose that the main reason it's a yes from me is because I think there's been um, times in the past where he was in the New Zealand setup where he probably wasn't best suited to to the conditions that he was playing in, but I don't think anyone would debate, and he's proved it during the Big Bash, that in Australian conditions and hard and fast conditions, he is he's you know right at the top of his game. And given where this tournament is going to be played, um, I think absolutely it's something they should consider. Uh, he's obviously decided to pretty much you know be be the type of player who who tours around the world and plays in these 2020 leagues, and I suppose he's been forced to do that really because. Um, he's been overlooked for selection, but I, I think it would be it would be madness from the New Zealand selectors not to strongly consider uh, a return for, for Colin Munro for this 10-20 World Cup. Yeah, he's very much uh, a gun for hire, isn't he, in that respect? So uh, he's chosen that path. Uh, whether that uh, means he shouldn't be playing for us, I'm not quite sure. I mean, you do uh, if he's an asset available to us and uh, he's a chance of uh, helping us win, made that point of difference that we didn't have uh, against Australia last time round. Uh, I think it's worth conjecture anyway. I would imagine they're thinking about it. Uh, speaking of uh, hired guns, uh, Gord's uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek at 12 for the Blues. And they're uh, uh, touting the Blues' back line as being perhaps the most exciting already without a pass being made. Yeah, I imagine uh, a lot of those predictions are probably coming from Blues fans, really, which is not unusual come this time of the year, is it? They always talk a massive game before a ball's been kicked. Um, but look, I, I think anyone who's who's interested in the game of rugby um, will will have a, a, a twang of excitement, I suppose, uh, about what what Roger Tuivasa-Shek and indeed the rest of the the Blues backline might be able to produce um, this Super Rugby season. But I mean, I, I, the number of people who, who ask me, like, how do you reckon Roger's going to go playing rugby? I'm I'm absolutely no doubt this guy's going to be a success because he's just a phenomenal athlete for starters. Um, and I actually don't think necessarily that we got to see all of that when he was playing rugby league. I'm actually really pleased um, that Leon McDonald's decided, and I'm not sure it wasn't his decision alone, uh, that Roger's going to play in the 12 jersey. I think, you know, given his history in, in rugby league, it might have been easier to put him on the wing or to put him at fullback. But um, at 12, I really think we we might finally see the, the very best of Roger Tuivasa-Shek in every sense. Um, and, yeah, I think Blues fans have, have probably reason, perhaps more reason than other, other seasons to be excited about what's coming up. And, um, yeah, it's going it's to be fascinating, I think, from a neutral's point of view. I'm, I'm certainly not a Blues fan myself, but it's going to be fascinating from a neutral's point of view to see what he can offer and what he can do, because I think it won't be long at all before we turn in a black jersey. 
and you're and you're, what you're saying is that you're neutral. Is that right? You have no interest in anything. I am else. very much neutral. Well, yeah. I mean, look. I, I mean, I might have a, a red and black eye patch on every now and then, somebody, but um, yeah, I like to consider myself fairly neutral when it comes to these things. Well, good on you, uh, Sam. I'm not sure about your uh, absolute uh, direction of support, but um, are you rushing down with your hard-earned NCNZ cash? Are you rushing down to back the Blues <laughs> at this early market? Yeah, look, I, it might be might be general admission, um, Smithy, with a, with a, with what I'm on at uh, SCNZ. But no, uh, the, <laughs> look, I'm excited to see Roger play. Like, I'm a big, obviously, massive rugby league fan, massive Warriors fan, and have followed him, you know, throughout his career. And I'm really excited to see him play. Um, I'm a big Chiefs fan, Smithy, so I wouldn't mind if the Blues struggle, um, just quietly. But, uh, but see, the thing that I'm a little bit critical about here with Blues, and this goes to New Zealand rugby, and I feel like I've talked about this, you know, ad nauseum over the last few years, but, you know, Roger, everyone wants to see what Roger's going to do in that first game. And uh, I'd actually argue that they want to watch him in every game um, to see what he's going to be like. You know, is he, is he potential all black? Is he going to go well at 12? You know, is he going to get moved around? How's he going to cope, et cetera? But the Blues, in my mind, have done a terrible job of promoting this. Now, as far as I'm aware, Roger has almost done no media. And I know personally, Smitty, trying to, trying to get to them when he was at Auckland, mm. trying to get him for an interview, you know, talk about his transition, how it's all going. And they've basically said, no, nah, look, he's off limits. Um, they want him to focus on, you know, getting ready, getting prepped. And, you know, I just, I always look at overseas, Smitty, at places like America where, you know, LeBron James, the biggest name in the NBA, the biggest name arguably in world sport, will front the media every single day. And he'll front the fans every single day. He's not bigger than, you know, the, the sport or the team or whatever. Um, and, and I look at, what they're doing with Roger and I just think surely the guy is professional enough to be able to handle some media interviews you know a bit of promotion out there so that you know people do really get pumped up on it I mean they are don't get me wrong people are pumped up on it but that I think they just miss a trick sometimes when they let these opportunities slide and you see it with New Zealand rugby as well with the All Blacks you know they just they're very closed they try and keep everything you know very sort of tight and and don't let the players do a lot of sort of self-promotion and media so yeah I, I just would have liked to see a little bit more um, of that heading into this season. But they do, you know, the Blues have a fantastic team. They've got a great back line. It probably is one of the best back lines they've ever had and, and you know, it is going to be one of the best back lines in the comp. So whether or not that, you know, sort of translates to wins, um, TBC. But like I said, as a Chiefs fan, I, I don't really mind if it doesn't. I, I totally agree with you about the availability of uh, rugby players as to other sports. Uh, working in this gig for about uh, five or six months now, and I know, from a producer's point of view, it is always easier, it seems, uh, to get uh, women's sport in particular. Um, and uh, I think it goes uh, from down there in rugby. At the moment, fellas, uh, you guys are right at the bottom uh, on, in terms of cooperation. I've got to say that. Uh, and I, I don't want to blot anyone's copybook. It's just the truth. Uh, Gords, um, I've got to ask you this. How do you, how's your stomping the backside and melon grabbing going, uh, bearing in mind we're not far away from the Winter Olympics. And you'll be reporting on this, I'm sure, at some stage. Melon grabbing, backside stomping. Yeah, look, uh, that's all news to me, Smithy. I'm happy to leave those, um, those sort of terms to you. Um, sounds like you're a bit of an expert at these things, are you? No, I'm not. I'm just reading up. And if you want to, if you, if you, think, if you think you've got to be able to report on Nico Porteous... Uh, then uh, uh, on winning a gold medal, or Zoe, who is absolutely fantastic. We're on first name basis, Zoe and I. Uh, I, I can't, be- I can't believe you haven't got used to these terms already. Because if they win a gold, 
um, or a medal at any stage, it'll be because of the quality of their melon grabbing and backside stomping. That's right. And look, all I can say really is I'm not as professional as you, Smithy. Um, but look, Ollie Ripke's going to be heading over to the uh, to the Winter Olympics for us. So I'm sure he's absolutely got all those terms down pat. But um, yeah, look, I suppose I've got a bit of, bit of schooling up to do over the next uh, the next week or so, I guess. Um, but look, very excited about uh, a Winter Olympics, and in particular for Zoe and Nico. Haven't they just been absolutely outstanding? Um, and it's very unusual, I think, for, for any of us to be... <laughs> Uh, looking forward to a Winter Olympics and the possibility of a gold medal, that's for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't know that that's ever happened before, um, but we're almost heading into this with a bit of expectation around these two, haven't we? Like, we've got two two legitimate stars here, so it's going to be um, yeah, great to see what they can produce. And, um, you know, I'll look, I'll look forward to the, what was it, the melon grabbing and the, and the what stomping? Backside stomping. Of course, yes, the backside stomping. Yes, I'm, I'm sure uh, there'll be lots of backside stomping, for sure, coming up. Yes, um, sounds yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, it looks. Uh, I look forward to your improved vocab- vocabulary next time we speak on that particular <laughs> issue because because if you're not over those, you won't be winning any medals. I promise you that. Uh, Andrew Gordy uh, and Sam Hewitt, thanks so much. Uh, very entertaining this morning uh, on those subjects and uh, great. Uh, look forward to seeing you back at work too, Sammy, at some stage. That'll be nice. Uh, it is 10.42 here on SENZ. Uh, when we return, we've got a few texts to read out. Uh, And then, of course, we'll make our usual visits just before 11 o'clock. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Uh, It's 10.47. Let's uh, rip through some of these texts. Uh, Brian said they were talking about Karios, of course. Uh, If he was one of mine and I suspect one of yours, I'd be ashamed of that performance. Although I also suspect he is in danger of needing some professional help in the future. I also... Uh, I almost feel for his, fear for his safety. Well, that's uh, interesting. That's going quite deep, Brian. Um, Mark has come in and said, well, Smithy, that's it. It's the last time in my life that I'll ever think, gee, he or they are not bad for an Aussie sports person or team. What a big mouth egg. I want to say something else, but I won't. Curious is, uh, I'll keep watching. I'll keep watching him because he's going to lose shortly and I'm going to laugh. I thought the same about the Aussie cricketers and the next minute sandpaper brush, uh, brush big mouths and cheats. That's Mark. So, uh we're left into no uncertain terms about uh, what Mark and Brian think about it. On the subject of South Africa coming here, we talked about their seam bowlers, but Chris says South Africa's middle order looks pretty good too with Bavuma and uh, Peterson, and not to mention Elgar at the top of the order. They're a good side, Vanderdessen. Uh, yeah, here's an interesting one too, and, and uh, we're only speculating, I keep saying we're only speculating this about Kane Williamson, but let's be fair, uh, he, he's coming and going a wee bit, and there is the possibility... He might not be there. So imagine this, 12 months ago, uh, and this is a very good text, Smithy, with the Black Caps, we have no Ross, no BJ, and then perhaps no Kane. We are removing a lot of runs. One of the big three would almost be guaranteed uh, some run, getting some big runs in that series. And yes, it is. I mean, you put yourself in the bowling department of the South Africans. 12 months ago, they came here. Uh, they're up against Williamson, Taylor, Watling at 3, 4, and 6 or 7. Uh, I put that on the scoreboard if, uh, if uh, the openers get half a start and your mind starts thinking this could be a very long time in the field. Um, but not perhaps now, particularly if uh, Williamson is not there. It's a given, of course, that BJ won't be there and uh, Roscoe won't be either. So uh, already you, they might just think there's an opening there uh, with the newer guys in there. Big, big season. Henry Nichols, massive. Uh, Cam has come in and said, uh, Morning Smithy, it's so good to see the Kiwis treating it, uh, treating it on the mountain. Uh, the X Games has been huge for them, but it is the Olympics another step up. Let's hope we as supporters don't put too much pressure on our team 
going to the Winter Olympics. Uh, they have earned the fern. They will do what they do. We have to be proud of them no matter what. Cam, absolutely right. And they are very, very young too. Very young. That's the other thing. But isn't it cool? Isn't it cool? Uh, the form they're going and the fact that we're, and the, the interest they've engendered because of their performances. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing at, at all, Cam. So I'll be watching, hoping, uh, praising. Uh, but I'm loving it. I'm loving the spectacle of it. And uh, I really, really do look forward to it. Uh, so uh, they are your texts. Uh, we'll be uh, joined by Louis Herman Watt. Uh, and a visit to the TAB uh, in the next few minutes as well. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest yes. fan. <laughs> so when you go to that website, you'll probably see something quoting Louis Herman Watt, somewhere along the, the lines. You might uh, see stories about uh, the Wellington Cup coming up this weekend. Louis, good morning again to you. Is it uh, a Waisaki double up for you? No, Waisaki, Waisaki is out, Smithy. Bit of breaking news. This when did morning. that happen? Oh, right, okay. Wow. He's, um, he's, yeah, he's injured. He's pulled something. I'm not too sure exactly the details, um, but... Yes, for Alan Sharrick and, and the Taranaki, they're, they're obviously very proud people there in Waisaki. was going to go huge. I, I mean, the thing, look, to be blatantly honest, I didn't think he'd be winning with that weight. I thought he was too short considering he was going to leg 59. But, you know, he's an incredible horse and you can't really put too much knock against him. So this is a real shame for Alan Sharrick, Smithy. It is a, a great shame for, for that stable, for the region. Uh, good history in the race. Um, so then, uh, what comes in now? Um, what are we What are we looking at in terms of uh, perhaps favourite? I don't know. <laughs> I can't. I can't recall what was second favourite off my head. But horses like Lincoln King are going to be in the race. Um, look, just let's have a look tomorrow, and let's let's try find something. Yeah, dogs going off in the background. Let's try find something at a nice lightweight tomorrow, Smithy, that we might be able to have a crack at. Um, and I guess the other feature is the Thorndon Mile, where Coventina Bay mm. is going to be huge, I think. And I'm going to try to chat with Robbie Patterson tomorrow morning, hopefully, and work out how big she's working. But yeah, those are the big news. Racing today, Matter Matter? Matter Matter. And there's lots of nice races there, Smithy. No, there's lots of nice races going on at Matter Matter. Um, there's some, uh, the Tiaka, Jamie Richards, Dopey Boston, um, Horse in the First, um, Moet. Moet, something Moet, I just don't have to in front of me, but that is going to be backed, it's been backed right and I think it's going to be nice and short and I think you'd probably rather get on now than wait because you know what happens to those Open Boston Jamie Richards runners and back into race seven, uh, uh, there's a horse called Baldara which I think is a lovely each way chance. Okay, thanks very much uh, for that Louis, so we'll keep an eye on that, although I must say, um, Opie Boston, Jamie Richards, and anything to do with On The Bubbles with their horse names, and Moet is certainly in that. I'm a little bit sceptical about backing. Just saying, just saying. Pip Morris is with us from the TAB, and uh, really pleased to say I met Pip in person over the weekend at the races, which was great. Pip, uh, the TAB, of course, at the moment, uh, I guess sports-wise mainly, uh, is the Australian Open. Great day yesterday, another one in store today. 
It certainly is. Smithy, good morning to you. And of course, we do have lots to look forward to with the tennis as well, that bonus back. So you can place a pre-match head-to-head bet on any of the Australian Open singles match. And if your player loses in the deciding set, you can get a refund up to $50. They've also got the mega multi-tennis, four-leg multi, you can get a refund up to $50. Is you missed by just one leg? You can check out the TNCs there. And just on the tennis as well, there's an $1,800 bet, Smithy, on Canopedia to beat Swantinac at around $4.10. So not a bad wow. price, really, and that's a good return. That's a hell of a return. Greyhound action, too. We do, yep, just before quarter past 12, 10 race program, not too many standouts on the car, but I do like Liberty Taker and race 8 at around 2.10 and big time Faye in the last as well, she's around that $2 quote, I think they're worth a play and of course Mata Mata, as you were just talking about their bonus back races, race 1 and 2 on the first two races, a $25,000 guaranteed late quaddy and we've got bonus back races on Caulfield and Warwick Farm as well today, races 1 and 2 there. Oh, so much on offer, it's uh... A veritable smorgasbord. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Um, yeah, so plenty of options there to investigate at the TAB. Check out the website uh, and gamble responsibly, of course. Uh, that is an R18 request as well. Uh, after the break, focusing heavily on the tennis action from Melbourne, Jenny Drummond for the third time is going to come in and join us. We look forward to that. In the meantime, here's Trudy. It's 11 o'clock. He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. here on SENZ. Well, it wasn't quite rock the Caspar, but it was uh, rock the K Stadium last night, wasn't it, uh, between Kirios and uh, Kakanaka. So uh, we will uh, uh, try and get hold of uh, Jenny Drummond, uh, just having a, a few phone problems, but uh, we're trying very, and she's trying at her end as well. It's just a matter of getting the connection. Uh, of course, the All Whites are, are in action uh, this weekend. Uh, they have got Jordan and Uzbekistan uh, doing some great job as Danny Hay organising these fixtures, to be fair, but uh, they'll be without uh, their first-choice goalkeeper in uh, Stefan Marinovic because uh, he's tested positive to COVID-19. Um, so he will be uh, staying with his Israeli club. And uh, the, uh, the squad will be joined by young Matthew Gould. Now, this is an interesting selection. 
Uh, Matthew was, uh, played a lot of football in uh, Hawke's Bay as he was coming through. Um, been back to England. Uh, plays for English uh, fifth-tier club, Altrincham Football Club, actually. Son of Jonathan Gould. Of course, uh, anyone that knows anything about the Phoenix or New Zealand football, Napier football, remember Jonathan Gould. Uh, Johnny, uh, ex-Scottish international and, of course, Celtic. Very prominent with Celtic. Um, and he's uh, currently, I think, uh, helping out coaching the All Whites as well. Uh, so uh, Gould, John, uh, Matthew Gould will be joining Matthew Michael Wood and Jamie Searle, uh, who are also... Uh, he's also uncapped, so pretty much a, a new squad when it comes to the goalkeepers for those two matches uh, against uh, Jordan. Uh, that's in Abu Dhabi on Saturday uh, and Uzbekistan on Wednesday. So I would imagine that's a step up in the quality of the opposition, but we'll catch up on that uh, later in the week uh, when we talk to uh, perhaps a former all-white or maybe even, uh, if we can, uh, get in touch with Danny Hay himself, but exciting times as uh, the All Whites look forward to those World Cup qualifiers, which uh, are now this year and not too far away. And uh, on uh, other football news as well, uh, Roy Hodgson has been appointed as the uh, new manager uh, of Watford, who are struggling at the bottom. Uh, the Hornets are keen to make a swift appointment follow, uh, following sacking Claudio Ranieri. Uh, he was uh, not there for very long at all. Hodson, 74 years of age. And it does seem at times it's like a, uh, like a production line where you just uh, get sacked, jump back on, like your, your baggage thing at the airport. Uh, you get sacked from a football job in the UK or anywhere around the world. You jump on that conveyor belt, and at some point when you go around, someone picks you off and uh, you're joining yet another club. So uh, that is the situation. Roy Hodson, you'll remember him. Um, if you go back in time with football uh, and this horrible news staying on that subject uh, now there's uh, up to eight people uh, have died after that fatal crush outside the stadium yesterday when uh, Cameroon were playing Commodus a horrible thing so uh, eight up to eight people now uh, including two children aged eight and 14 are among the dead just a terrible story coming out of that and uh, of course it's not the first time ever but uh, in football stadiums, they get so congested, so excited about things. Uh, we've seen it before in uh, other stadiums around the world, but you don't want to see it uh, ever again, hopefully. John, I'm waxing on a wee bit here um, about football in particular. Still struggling with Jenny. Yeah, doing a good job too. Smithy, there's a lot going on in the world of football, a lot going on with Jenny Drummond's phone. Uh, she is in Melbourne with a UK number, so we're giving it a crack. Um, and of course, she saw some great tennis yesterday. I mean, unreal. A couple of five-setters in the men's, uh, a couple of doubles matches, and a shame that Venus lost both of his doubles matches. Smithy, we've become mates with Aaron Routliff on the show, and they were doing pretty good in the mixed doubles, but came up short in their quarterfinal just after Venus had lost to the special Ks in the men's doubles. So, not a great day for Michael Venus, unfortunately. No, not actually, and I just wonder how affected he was after that atmosphere. I mean, he must have felt like he was playing in two completely different tournaments from coming from the heat of the battle against the Special Ks and then going into a mixed doubles uh, contest. Uh, and the other thing about that, uh, John, I thought there was social distancing or there were limited numbers allowed at the Aussie Open. Certainly looked like, didn't look like in uh, the Kia Stadium. It looked as if they were pretty much wall-to-wall, shoulder-to-shoulder in there. Everyone, well, I'd say 98% were against Venus and puts, but um, 
what about this, the the social distancing side of things that looks to go out the window? Yeah, it looks like Aussie's just given up and just gone, oh, let's just do whatever you want. A bit like their tennis players out in the middle, just do whatever you want. As long as everyone's entertaining and having fun, bugger it, you know, safety, sportsmanship. Yeah. Who cares if it's good for the game of tennis? Just get rowdy and get amongst them. We do have Jimmy Jenny Drummond now, Smithy, so we can oh, cross to fantastic. Melbourne. Okay, let's uh, do that um, because uh, Jenny's been so popular with us and so uh, available to us that uh, it's great. And uh, after such a fascinating day of action yesterday, Jenny, thanks so much. Uh, uh, wasn't such a great day for our Michael Venus. We've just talked about it. Uh, interesting oh, action. Gee, the doubles, <laughs> the, the doubles, the doubles is alive thanks to Kyrgios Kokonakis. I know. Uh, good morning. Yeah, no, thanks for having me back on. It's great. Um, but goodness me, I think we're all pretty exhausted from the tennis that went on yesterday. What a, what a day, as you said. And, you know, I did. I, I do feel for the for the doubles players who have played against Nick and Thanasi, but at the same time, you, you, you're absolutely right in saying that it has brought men's doubles alive in particular. People are talking about it. As you say, the Kia, the Kia Arena was absolutely stowed out and that is very exciting and I completely understand it must be frustrating for some of the top doubles pairings in the world to play against these guys but equally you've got to give credit to them they've beaten them so um, mm. it's it's incredibly exciting the atmosphere is ridiculous honestly I was courtside for it it was absolutely wild but it is thoroughly entertaining I felt like I was at the MCG in B13 or something like that <laughs> Honestly, uh, I was just talking about that. Actually, uh, we were under the impression over here that there was sort of a social distancing site, limited crowd size at the Australian Open. Quite clearly, uh, that went out the window on the K court. Well, yeah, it's not applicable on Kia Arena because it's a ground pass. So it's the stadiums that are socially distanced, the ticketed stadiums. So Rod Laver Arena, well, right. John, the same didn't happen for John Kane Arena, but they split the rows because there were that many people. It has a far bigger capacity than. Um, than Kia Arena, but that's technically a ground pass. Um, hence the the lack of social distancing there, and it was absolutely packed. But um, I'm yeah, it, it it doesn't. It looks a bit bizarre on television when you when you know that the the place is fifty percent capacity. So, um, and it's all it's all youngsters in there. It's hilarious. They're not even. Mm. It was interesting coming in doing some some box pots for AO radio and things like that. The the fans aren't necessarily tennis fans coming in to watch them. They're Nick Kyrgios fans, and the age demographic mm. is is very young indeed. Uh, Jenny, well, uh, let's uh, go to the singles now and two epic sure. five setters yesterday and. I think it was, generally speaking, a day for the fans yesterday because, in the end, their favoured players prevail. And I'm talking here about uh, Rafa Nadal, of course, and, and Berrettini. I think there's a slight Australian connection there. He seems very popular as well. So uh, they've advanced yeah. through to the semis. Yeah, do you know what? It was uh, thoroughly entertaining. I couldn't uh, go to bed and leave the screen. I was I was watching it till till late, as I'm sure many people were because, well, you, I, I'm sure quite a few people went to bed after um, Berrettini went two sets to love up and that's something he did a couple of rounds ago in the third round against Carlos Alcaraz the 18 the year old Spaniard who is tipped to be one of the next be best things, that's for sure. He was incredible 
incredibly good. And Berrettini hasn't really been tested since since he played him. But that was that was a great fifth set from Berrettini, albeit Monfils's level dipped by by quite a long way and allowed Berrettini in. The guy is so strong over five sets and and realistically he he's really showing that he can go deep in slams and also you know come back from the brink as well um when you look at rafa it's very i mean the guy afterwards said he was totally destroyed on paper when i saw that schedule i thought well rafa's rubbing his hands in glee because it's the middle of the day he loves training in the heat and i thought shapovalov is just going to be absolutely cooked and he looked nervous, um, Shapovalov looked nervous in the first set, looked like he didn't quite have his game plan in place, he was a bit frustrated with Rafa taking Rafa's amount of time rather than sticking to the shot clock, which he did vocalise and he had a bit of a ding-dong at the end of the first set. But um, then for Shapovalov to come back in the third set and the fourth and take it to him, I was so impressed with the young Canadian and how he actually rose to the moment because that's you know it's daunting playing Rafa in in the quarters of a Grand Slam uh, that he's won before so I think Rafa's reaction said a lot to me actually and it's very interesting now with the schedule the women's semis are on a Thursday so Rafa has two days off to recover and I think those two days are absolutely huge for him whether or not he's he's going to be the real contender for the title. Well, the Aussies have uh, have got reason to look forward to the last two to three days with confidence, not just the special K's as they've labelled them, but <laughs> Ash Barty rolls. I mean, if there's, I don't think there is a more, uh, I think, uh, dominating act at the Open this year than Ash Barty. It's almost unchallenged to this point. Oh, it's it's incredible. I mean. Um... I went to, I was covering them, um, the first set of Barty, and then I just went to grab some food. And whilst I was in the line to grab some food, she won the second set. And I just, it was <laughs> unbelievable. I just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't believe how quickly it happened. And, you know, it was interesting to see Jessica Pagula's reaction afterwards. She just said, she it's like she gets into this rhythm and you cannot get a handle on her shots. And she just runs away with the match. And then Thanasi Kokonakis tweeted out, Ash Barty, did you, do you even sweat? Or something like that. And mm. it's remarkable because every round we go to now with Barty, she's playing, uh, yes, the first couple of rounds she was playing qualifiers. She's now playing very, very credible opponents. And you think, oh, you know, well, this 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 opponent could trouble her here or here or here. And then suddenly the match has been a gone. Um, but obviously she does play Madison Keys um, in the semifinals, who is playing wonderful tennis right now, full of confidence and mm. enjoying it. I, I do think this will be a much tougher match for, for Ash um, because Keys has got massive weapons in terms of her serve and forehand. So, but equally, I've been saying that every single round and then Ash just comes up with a good. So it's, it's just quite incredible, really. Well, quarterfinals uh, continue today, often the, I think mm-hmm. one of the most fascinating rounds of any competition in tennis, but here we have it again, and Sinner uh, here, over here is favourite against uh, Sitsipas, should be another great match, is Sinner the justified favourite in your, your thinking? I'm not sure because uh, Sitsipas has been in this situation a couple of times before here at the Oz Open, he, he's reached the semi-finals so, um, and he's also been to the final of a Grand Slam, so he does have that experience um the pressure is on him i'd say the expectation um, not just because of the seeding but um you know his rankings higher but i also think that 
he had a really tough match with Taylor Fritz in the previous round and managed to get through that. Sometimes when you edge your way through a really tough battle, it just kind of eggs you on and makes you want it even more. So, um, yeah, I, I, I honestly think this could be a really fascinating match because I covered Sinner's match against Alex Dimonor and he was brilliant. You don't you don't quite notice Sinner's weapons, but he does everything very well. Served well, his forehand, uh, sorry, his backhand is actually his, his better shot. The amount of power he can get off the ground is incredible for a twenty year old. Um, so it is a really big moment for Sinner whether he gets himself in those um, whether he gets himself to, to be the front runner and can, can deal with the pressure of the moment. I'd be very interested to see. Um, but you've Sitsipas has got the crowd on his side, you know, with the with the Greek influence. So, um, mm. but we all know that the, the crowd love an underdog as well. Well, the crowd weren't that uh, big of fans of Medvedev there about four or five <laughs> days ago. Uh, they might be now, they may not be, but uh, certainly he's got his work cut out today because uh, it looks like uh, Ujia Eliasime is just just starting to, to hit his straps at the right time. He is. He is another very talented youngster who is playing very well indeed. Went set down against Marin Cilic in the previous round and then just didn't falter thereafter. He's had a very good tournament so far and um, he's had a good... Very good year last year, going deep in slams once again, and is you know in um, in a great place here in Melbourne. He's just kind of been creeping through the draw, going under the radar a little bit. But today is a massive, massive test. Daniel Medvedev was actually tested against Maxime Cressy. He was getting annoyed with um, many things on the court, not to mention trying to get past his brilliant serve and volleying opponent. So it's a very different match up today in terms of how Medvedev approaches this match. It will suit him a lot better. Um, but having said that, what Felix Ogialiasin can bring to the court is is a huge amount. And I really think that he can trouble Medvedev because the uh, the world number two actually had a medical timeout for his lower back or glute in his previous match. So he's certainly got a niggle going on. Most players do at this stage of, of a Grand Slam. But to have treatment on the court, you do have to be in, in some amount of pain. So interested to see how Medvedev um, is physically. And he will just be lapping up the crowd noise, whatever it is. Um, He's such an interesting, quirky character, and he will he will just be relishing in it on Rod Laver Arena today. Looking forward so much to the women's side of things here, because there's a bit of romance involved, particularly in the Collins versus Cornet match, Elise Corne, uh, Corne, of course, uh, who has finally made a Grand Slam quarterfinal in her 63rd attempt. Now, uh, this is a terrific story. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, she is she is so tenacious she never gives up and that's what she said in her in her post match interview after um she defeated Simona Halep she said it's never too late and i think that resonated with quite a lot of people she's just turned 32 a couple of days ago what a great birthday for her there is absolutely no pressure on her whatsoever uh, physically i mean both her and Danielle Collins have had grueling previous matches the last two matches for Danielle Collins have been more than two and a half hours and Collins played doubles as well so she's physically feeling it that's for sure and you know I wouldn't want to be a tennis ball in in this match at all these two are two of the most tenacious and ferocious women on the tour they want to win every single point so um I'm going to be glued to the to this one that's for sure because um 
I'm actually calling this one first up. So it's I think it's it's going to be there's going to be fireworks because it's emotional. It's hugely emotional for both of them, um, and mm. they are both very emotional players on the court. So that is that's going to be a firecracker. That's for sure. Well, the the shortest uh, priced pl player probably now in terms of seeding anyway is in the second one that's left in the drawer and. Uh, uh, this is, uh, and for, forgive my pronunciation here, Swiatek, I think seventh seed from Poland. Um, yep. And, uh, of course, the 2020 French Open champ against uh, Kanepi, who was, uh, I think, a bit of a surprise winner. She's 16 years her elder, I understand. Yeah, Kai Kanepi is 36 years old. She's made the quarterfinals of every other Grand Slam, so this is the first time she's made the, the Oz Open quarterfinals so it's a big achievement for her she's got she's a bit notorious for creating upsets in majors and she she's certainly done that here that's for sure um it's it's fascinating to have three women in the quarterfinals who are unseeded madison keys kaya kanepi and elise cornet it's uh, that has not happened for a very 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 long time um but credit to kanepi she came through against abelenka who's had a really tough time of late with the serve that that area of her game just completely broke down mm. at the start of the year um, and then her opponent Iga Swiatek, um, as you say Roland Garros cha champion previously in 2020 and uh, she's been playing some very good tennis I think Iga's game is too varied for Kanepi here uh, Kanepi hits the cover off the ball and I think that that w the variety will upset the rhythm of Kanepi. She's a really tall, strong woman. And I think if, if Iga Sviantek can bring in some short angles and shift her around the court a little bit and keep her guessing um, with her serve as well, I think it might be a bridge too far. But having said that, she's the queen of upsets in this tournament. So uh, you can certainly never rule her out. Uh, just finally, uh, a special case, uh, when are they back on court? Because you may well or may not understand this, that uh, they're not our favourite people this morning because they knocked out Michael Venus, of course, uh, but they were naughty to him as well. They were very rude to him. Um, so uh, is it fair to say uh, we could avoid... Who are they up against next and when do we have to avoid them? They are up tomorrow. Um but we don't know. We know that they have requested the the uh, Kia Arena, but technically Kia Arena has has closed now, so I'm not quite sure what the situation is. Um, but they're up against uh, Marcel Granoyers and Horatio Zabayos, who are the third seeds <clears throat> and very accomplished doubles players. Um, so. Uh, once again, it will be a very interesting match. I totally understand the, the situation with the rudeness, etc. And a lot of players are upset with it. But um, it's also creating a lot of interest around tennis. And, it's you know, it's hard to take your eyes off it, isn't it? It's not an easy situation. Mm. Nah, it is. It is. I mean, uh, it, there are pros and cons. There are pros 100%. and cons. And the pain will eat. The pain will ease over here at some stage, Jenny. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very, very much for your time again. It's the third time you've been so uh, gracious to come on with us, and we're, you're very, very popular over here, so uh, we're enjoying it. And enjoy uh, that match that you're calling today as well. Uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Jenny Drummond there, who is doing such a great job for SEN, uh, and for us as well here on SENZ, uh, as she has reviews and previews uh, pretty much every day of the action. And uh, it's warming up. Temperature off the court, very warm. Temperature on it, even hotter yesterday. Uh, we're going to take a short ad break. Uh, when we come back, 
I'm not even sure we'll have time to promote it. So uh, in about five minutes' time, we shall be having Stump Smithy, uh, and that, of course, is 0800 150 811, and they are 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers up for grabs. Give it a minute or two before you call because uh, we're just going to take a break. Coming live anywhere, anytime. anytime. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on ECNZ. Yes, 0800-150-811 is the phone number. Call in now uh, to give in the 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TABs. It is Stump Smithy time. Costa has sent her in a text. She's very good, Smithy. Get her back on. We know that, Costa, talking about Jenny Drummond. She's been absolutely outstanding for us. Also, over a long period of time, being out, outstanding for us is uh, a more familiar female voice, and uh, that is Trudy Nelson. And she's got the news with us now. It's 11.30. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Here we go again. Thanks to the TAB for giving us 50 bucks every day to give away to our listeners and also to Sleep Drops with their Daytime Revive. It's New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And a guy from the Garden City has made it through first today and his name is John. Good morning, John. Good day, pal. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. We had Jason Ryan on earlier today, the old Fords coach from the Crusaders, but all the word is, John, that the Blues are the team to beat this year. What do you reckon about that? No chance, pal. Always red and black, mate. Through and through. <laughs> Love it. Blues are only good because they've got a red and black coaching them. That's why. Leon. Dude, right. <laughs> awesome, John. Well, you know how this game works. You get three sporting categories, you choose one, and then get three questions right, and you win the prizes. But as soon as you get one wrong, Smithy very much look, looking forward to getting another stumping. So, a uh, category that no one's chosen, it's been in for a while, is darts. Another one is athletics, and another one is rugby union, John. So, which one of those do you think gives you the best chance? Uh, let's try darts, mate, just for something different. Why not? Darts. Do you watch much? Do you know much? Yeah, I do watch a bit of it when I get a chance in the weekends, but that's about it, really. So uh, it should be a bit of hit and miss, I'm picking. Yeah, yeah. Well, the guy who wrote these questions for me actually outsourced uh, the darts questions is, is Ben Francis and absolutely loves his darts. So they could be quite difficult. Smithy, I'm not sure how much he knows about his darts, but we will give it a go. Question number one on the darts. Who was the New Zealand representative at the recent World Darts Championship in London? Uh, Who was that, sorry? Gita. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, do you know which New Zealander represented us at the recent World Darts Championships in London? I think his first name's Wayne. I'm pretty sure his first name's Wayne, but I, I haven't got... I haven't got the, the surname, John, so I guess I miss. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. He's got two first names, Ben Robb. Ben Robb was the New Zealand representative. So you reckon you yeah. knew that one, John? Yeah, I do, mate, because I actually did watch it, but I missed the early rounds when he got knocked out, but yeah. Ah, there we go. Well, you're still alive, so that's good. Question number two. Phil the Power Taylor has won the most World Darts Championships titles in history. How many has Phil the Power Taylor won? Nine. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. So confident, John, and then the dart missed the board. So nine is not correct. Smithy, any idea 
Phil the Power Taylor, how many darts championships and do you watch darts? Yeah, I do watch darts. Um, have been known to have a wager on darts, actually. It's a hell of a good sport, too. You can basically bet on every dart. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I have watched it in years gone by. Uh, watched a bit of Phil the Power Taylor as well over the years. Um, they don't call him the power for nothing, 11. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. 16. 16. Wow. Yeah, that is impressive. And I had to actually ask Ben Francis, I was like, are you sure you've got that right? And he said, nah, yep, 16. That's how many world championships he's won. So, still alive, John. Still after those sleep drops and still after that 50 bucks. Last question. Which country is the reigning World Cup champions of darts? Mm. It's not New Zealand. No, I know it's not New Zealand. Um, uh, uh, Scotland. Scotland. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right no. in the slot, and it goes. John, you've come good when it matters. You hit yourself the bullseye, and you've got yourself 50 bucks worth of TAB vouchers and some Sleep Drops Daytime Revive there for all ages, lifestyle stages, and sleeping challenges. Read the label, take as directed, sleepdrops.co.nz. Well done, John. Awesome, pal. Thanks very much. I actually knew the second one, too. I actually was straight away 16 coming into my damn head, but I said, ah, no, it's not that many, but of course it was. But anyway, that's good. Thanks, fellas. That's awesome. Uh, good on you, absolutely good on you, John. And uh, you're first in and called very early, and I'm glad you got rewarded for that. So uh, stay on the line, stay on the line, and Jacob will uh, get your details off you, and uh, we'll get that fifty bucks through to you, and hopefully you can turn it into a lot, lot more. Eleven uh, thirty-seven here, John. Um, interesting. Um, going to talk a, a bit about uh, Australian cricket are getting a bit nervous now about sending their team there. Of course, to uh, Pakistan. Well that we. We pulled our team out to Pakistan, yeah. A story have just come through this morning that the players are getting toey, they say, toey, uh, about the level of violence. And when you read some of the stats, uh, it's not surprising you'd be a bit reticent about just wanting to, to play cricket over there. Um, and I, I know it's, it's not, I'd love to see it there. They're good people, Pakistan cricket people are good people. They try their best and, and to have it on their shores. But when you look at some of the, uh, the terrorist numbers and the way the situation has changed a wee bit now with the the Taliban, etc. Uh, you do wonder. You, you absolutely do wonder. Yes, Smithy. And just we talked about it when New Zealand pulled out. It's just one threat. Hey, that's all it takes. And I guess some people mm. in Pakistan know that. And if you want to get some notoriety or kind of make a name for yourself, if you're sort of anti the Western world or doing whatever you do in Pakistan, you want to make a statement, just send in a threat against a cricket team, they'll leave and it becomes a global headline. So you, I feel for mostly the Pakistani public, but you also, you know, Australian cricketers, um, you probably, I, I can see why you'd be a bit nervous about going over there. Well, the PICSS, right, that is the Pakistan Institute for Conflict and Security Studies, have claimed uh, the country has witnessed a 56% surge in militant attacks last year, uh, despite a one-month ceasefire by the Pakistan Taliban. Uh, the statistics show that militants have carried out 294 attacks uh, last year, in which 395 people were killed, including 186 civilians and 192 wow. security forces personnel. Uh, so there you go, at least 629 were injured, 
400 civilians, 217 security forces personnel. Uh, uh, Pakistan security forces, they say, have killed 188 militants. Uh, Australian chairman of selectors, George Bailey, who's a pretty laid-back sort of a dude, um, but obviously is the interest of his players at heart, has said uh, they've been reassured, reassured by two player and support staff briefings he has sat in on. Uh, the security sounds very, very robust and very, very thorough. Um, and I think you'll agree if you talk to any of the Black Caps or New Zealand cricket, or Heath Mills for that matter, they thought that too. Uh, it's 11.40 here on SENZ. We'll keep uh, riding over that because it's so important. And when Australia haven't been there, I think, for 20 years, 20 years they haven't been there, uh, are they going to go? We'll see. Uh, yeah, 11.40, take a short break. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, coming up to 11.46 here on SENZ, of course, we'll join Mark Stafford just prior to midday for a synopsis of uh, what he's got coming up this afternoon. Uh, John News has uh, just come through. Uh, the uh, Super Smash playoffs are in Dunedin tomorrow, but the finals, um, I would have thought maybe they'd be in Wellington uh, with the Blaze being there, but no, you've got news on that? Yeah, so the Sparks get home advantage for the women's elimination final tomorrow in Dunedin, but it's not much of an advantage, is it, with no crowd being allowed in because of the red light that they do know, local conditions, but then it's the other way around for the grand final on Saturday, the men uh, getting precedence in the double header, so the Northern Brave are through on the men's side of things, so it's at Seddon Park, and you can get tickets, if not limited. So I think 100 were put up for grabs yesterday and another 100 today. So we're looking at Sports Smithy in small pockets of 100 people uh, for red lights, which is no good really for Super Rugby Old Picky, I think, kicks off not this weekend but next. And I was hoping that would get underway with big crowds watching our women play professional Super Rugby, but that's not going to be the case. And things like the Masters Games in Dunedin have been cancelled uh, which is a, a damn shame. I know that's a massive event down there. I think there are about 3,000 competitors or something who had put their names in for that. So we're just looking at sport again, Smithy, without crowds. And after watching what was going on at the Aussie Open yesterday with the special Ks, they do add something. A big crowd definitely adds something. And just look at the Black Clash the other day. Massive crowd, but it's not going to be the case for the Super Smash, which is a real shame. Oh, it sickens me, actually. Sport has just been targeted. It's an easy target, isn't it, sport? Sport and, and cultural music festivals and that, they're just such an easy target for the government to turn around and say, right, uh, here's a few high-profile events we can, we can put the kiwash on. And just to emphasise our point, uh, we're in control of this whole deal. Don't worry about that. Goodness me, what, what's changed uh, of the numbers that we've seen? What's changed um, from last Friday to yesterday uh, in terms of the numbers, really? Yeah. Uh, have they? Any, any more hospitalised? Any more threats? Any more? I mean, you know... What has changed in that regard? Why do they, they, they put the pressure on these things so far out? Let's just keep ticking over, keep ticking over here. Wear the mask. They've, they've told us we have to wear different style of mask. The surgical one, which I think you've got on now, yep. is going to be, I think, banned. I mean, how do you ban that? How are they going to police that too? Yeah. You know, walking down the street with a surgical mask on and someone's going to arrest you? I, I mean, goodness me. Yeah. So let, let's just... Um, I, I, like it's... It's just the sport that, and the sport that it cops it. And, and as we saw yesterday, um, uh, and Australia just are going to plough on for it. And boy, they've been hit harder than us. Yeah. Every individual state has been whacked harder than we have. Um, but they're just ploughing on through. 
And I, I know there's a school of thought about that. Anyway. Yeah, well, I, I guess we just don't want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just don't want to overrun the hospital system, everyone getting sick at once. But at the same time, like, there's a little bit of common sense that needs to be used as well in this, in this situation. Now, numbers are, are so low, and I think musicians and, and uh, have been hit so hard by this as well. Like, uh, yeah, like going to a concert and something, if you've all got a mask on and they've limited numbers or something, it just seems like things could go ahead like sporting events and, and, and concerts just with a few more numbers uh, and it wouldn't make a massive difference. But I guess we're not experts and we're just getting a little bit frustrated because we've been locked up for so long. We just want to have a bit of fun. It's summertime. I think everyone wants to have a bit of fun. I'll tell you who want to have a bit of fun this year on the rugby field is Caleb Clark. I'm just reading this fascinating article by... Mark Hinton, of course, uh, acclaimed rugby writer, put some, some great stuff up, Mark, and is a regular contributor to our panel as well, about Caleb Clark. Uh, Caleb Clark, who had, a, what would you say, a, almost a, non, a non-existent 2021. We know uh, what a big unit he is. He didn't have such a happy season with the Blues then. He t- took a punt, didn't he, on the uh, Olympics yep. in the sevens. Uh, missed, out, missed out on making the playing uh, side of that. Uh, was close, but didn't quite uh, manage to get on the park. Um, and then, of course, when you do that, you sort of ostracise yourself away from the 15s game. So my understanding is uh, he's dropped a bit of weight and has uh, really come in close with the Blues squad, uh, has made good friendship uh, with uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek, who's attracting all the attention. Uh, let's not, let's not forget uh, Caleb Clark, even at 104 kilos, I'm not wanting to stop him. <laughs> That's still pretty big for a winger, isn't it, Smithy? 104 kilos, and he is a unit. When you meet him in person, holy moly, he, he is a presence. Still such a young man, and 2020 was his year, wasn't it, when he just burst out, made that left wing his own, and then in 2021 uh, wasn't an option for the All Blacks because he was with the Sevens as a non-travelling reserve, and no one really took that jersey away from him. So I think it's still there for the taking, Smithy. If he has a big super rugby season, I think George Bridge wasn't... At his best, I think maybe Will Jordan's got the right wing sewn up, but I love a power winger. What about you? Love a power wing with ball in hand. Um, you know, we all know uh, who wore that 11 jersey and put the fear of God into the world. I'm not saying Caleb Clark's in that league, but he's uh, that kind of player. Uh, and if you use him well, I don't think he's used well by the Blues. I mean, you know, who's going to stop him one-on-one from a, a five-metre scrum close to the line? Which little number 10 is going to stand in his way? Uh, which covering halfback or uh, even a, a flanker coming off the side. Uh, if he's got a full hitter stem, how many people are going to be able to stop him? And, and I think they misuse him, the Blues, at times. They leave him out on the wing, uh, almost like a decoy. Uh, and, and he'd be much uh, dangerous uh, with ball in hand rather than being a decoy, I would imagine. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to Caleb Clark. And uh, I think the uh, the Blues will be better for an informed 11 with uh, Rico Ioane in there as well. And, Two of us are Sheik, Bowden Barrett. Going to, uh, it is, I mean, it is mouth-watering. It is It is pretty exciting, um, yeah. You know, uh, they got to harness uh, up front. Yeah, they've got to get that parity up front and that uh, up to um, uh, some of those players um, who are going to be uh, in control of uh, the tight five, etc. They've got to get them front football. If they do that, look out. Uh, a couple of texts have uh, just come in as well. Uh, my little rant there about the government and sport being um, targeted. Thank you, Smitty. I'm sick of government treatment of its citizens. That's from Troy. Uh, And also government driving fear and control because they've done nothing in power except to try and ruin farming. Um, And and I think that's a a fair statement as well. And uh, I really don't think they care. I I was interested to learn there, um, just a little dig here, I suppose it's fair to say, but 
Um, Grant Robertson is the Minister of uh, Racing, the Honourable Minister of Racing. Nowhere to be seen uh, at Alice Lee at the weekend on uh, in New Zealand Racing's most big and financial and influential day in terms of uh, breeding as well. Um, you know, not even there. So I understand Christopher Luxon was there, um, just uh, updating uh, his information and getting informed on what is a very important part of New Zealand uh, employment. Forget about the, the betting side of it and everything. I think uh, third or fourth biggest uh, employment industry in the country, maybe even higher than that. If that doesn't uh, warrant even the Minister of Employment being there, I don't know, but he was noticeable by his absence, the Minister of Racing. It is 11.53.